that even though you know the beginning, the middle, and the end, it still brings back that heightened sense of yeah. anxiety or yeah. anticipation. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And sometimes lack of sound pulls you in just as much because there is a scene in Evil Lurks where the sound just slowly fades out and it goes to an actor basically crudely singing or or saying of uh, some lyrics to the song blood moon i believe it is and next thing you know gunshot quick quick fade to black and that's it so that right there is also a pretty intense moment as well so, so sometimes lack of sound like that what i just described will draw you in as well because you're like shoot what's going to happen next kind of thing yeah you keep waiting for that okay what's yeah. gonna you know yeah. that alien moment where yep. But- <laughs> <laughs> yep yep that's absolutely true yeah you know and you and, but it's it, those are the kind of things people like to be frightened mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know why but we do <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't figure it out i mean like I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, if you guys want to be frightened, that's that's fine with me because you know what? I'll keep on writing them, whether whether people are gonna be frightened or not. I'm I'm still gonna write horror. That's neither here nor there with me because that's just my genre. I'll write a drama because I'm going to I'm going to write a John a drama um, about a dear friend of mine that passed away from cancer. Oh gosh, like two or three months ago, and you know. It's to honor her because she was such a positive person, even through the diagnosis and fight with cancer and that sort of thing. And unfortunately, I couldn't get a DVD produced quick enough to get to her before she passed so she could see my movie. And, you know, so I'm going to honor her in the best way I know how is to do my art the best way I know how and to write a movie based on her life. Obviously not using her real name, but using the the trials and tribulations that she went through that she openly documented on her Facebook page, which I thought was phenomenal. I've You don't see that very often because people will put stuff on Facebook and get ridiculed or get made fun of or whatever and then that will potentially bring that person down not her she didn't she she i want to say she didn't care but she cared but she also was so open about it it was it was remarkable and i i just wish she was here today so that you know i could you know tell her how i feel about it but i did tell her Yes. I believe that people know. I also find that you're right, though. You you look at some of these people. I'm personal. It was on the podcast, mm-hmm. and she's an actor, but she was going through breast cancer, mm-hmm. and rather than hide from it, she didn't. She kept posting new headshots with no hair, little hair. I mean, just very open about what she did. And another friend of mine was in a horrible accident where she became paralyzed, and she then took that into a video blog and become a motivational speaker for um, for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. But I, and I, social media is a very strong thing. It, and to your point, it can either, it can either crush you mm-hmm. or, or, you know, 
elevate you in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. yeah. But you're using you're you're taking something that was tragic and and turning it into. I don't want to say something good, but something memorable. And and as an artist, that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> your job is to create. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't want to say I was so close to her diagnosis or anything like that, that I can't do it. I can and I will. It's just I need time to still process what's going on because I do go back to her Facebook page and read different things and write and I take notes, um, whether they're cerebral notes or actual physical typing out notes, which I typically type them out because I'm formulating a story behind the truth. So I don't want to say behind the truth, but I'm based, I'm writing, a, I'm writing the story based on her truth. And, you know, that's, that's how I'm approaching it. Cause like, I'm a veteran. So like when I watch military movies, I will critique the crap out of them because I will find anything and everything. Okay. Yeah. This shouldn't be done like this, or the uniform is worn wrong, or like the ribbons on their chests are not lined up in, a, in the proper manner, or, you know, you're not supposed to salute in combat or whatever the case may be, whatever it is, I'll critique it. And I will write it. Like I have a military script as well based on ptsd in the military and uh, this this script is about we're on year seven right now of writing it because i want to make sure that everything is accurate especially with ptsd because it's such a i don't want to i don't want to i'm trying to think of a good word but PTSD in the military is kind of looked at differently versus PTSD with civilian people. People see military people as broken if they have PTSD, which that is for the furthest thing from the truth, honestly. I mean, yeah, some people are broken. Some people do need uh, psychiatric help or whatever the case may be to help them through their traumatic experience that they, that they had in, in the battlefield. Um, so my goal is to kind of dispel that myth and say, hey, you know what? Not all of us are broken. A vast majority of us are actually thriving. One of which, which I know this might go into a political realm because this guy talks politics and whatever it case may be on his Rumble platform called Graham Allen. I watch him Monday through Thursday because I'm one, he's a veteran and his co-host is a veteran. Um, and what they say, yeah, some of it I do or don't agree with, but that's neither here nor there, but I watch it and I support them because they're veterans and they're doing it and they're showing people, Hey, we're not broken. We're here. You know what? Utilize us to the best of our, uh, best of our abilities. And sorry, I went <laughs> off on a tangent. <laughs> but that's another great thing about, like you say, about being an artist, you, you, you can you can go anywhere and do anything and create. Yeah. Um, I was talking with a woman who's a a veteran, mm -hmm. and she was she's very you know want very passionate about bringing the fact that there are women who were um, in the ser service who suffer from from the same thing, but they're they're pushed aside a little bit, and she yeah. you know feels like that's an important story to get out. Yeah. There's for every you know there's the saying with every action there's a reaction, mm -hmm. and 
And sometimes the, the reaction of somebody looking in is so wrong and so biased. Mm-hmm. And then you get people like yourself who go out there and say, hey, look, this is, you know, th- this is this is this is what happened. This is the reality. And yes, some people do this and some people do that. But yeah. we're not we're not to be looked at as we're not to be, you know, judged or you know patronized or whatever i mean we're you're still there's still people there's people behind these um, and i think film is 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 even if it's fiction it can help bring an awareness to to certain things um yeah i interviewed a, a film director who had um her and her brother had done a three a three series um movie and basically it was about a woman trying to get a divorce in Israel. Mm. And it's very different because it's rabbinical law, not civil law, and what she had to go through. And, the, and, and it got to the point where they actually made the rabbinical court watch this because it, it impacted and it really hit what was going home. And, wow. and, and I applaud you for even thinking about doing that. And, and the accuracy is important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I watch movies sometimes and I sit there and I go, no, that's not, mm-hmm. it can't be that way. Mm-hmm. And then I sit there and go, well, whose fault is that? Yeah. Why, why didn't someone know it, go to civil war movie? Why does they, why do they have a zipper and not buttons? You know, why do they just, just things like, you know, they're using something that didn't exist at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think continuity and accuracy really are important to, to a film. I don't care if you're doing, uh, I don't care if you're doing a cartoon or you're doing a horror film or what you're doing, but yeah. you've got to be spot on because yeah. not that people are going to call you out, but you should know better as a, as the creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, yeah, continuity is everything, no matter if it's, no matter what genre or whatever the case may be. Um, accuracy, as far as that goes, um, like if you're doing like a fantasy kind of movie or whatever, there's, I mean, that's that's just more creative. But, yeah, definitely accuracy is, in my opinion, paramount when you're doing military-style movies. Anything that could possibly happen to the viewer in real in the real world should be as accurate as possible. I mean, even the two triggers in Evil Lurks, I felt horrible to research these two triggers because I was looking at my search history, I'm like, wow, that is just intense because uh, one of the triggers is a suicide. And to research that, I I was, just, I was just blown away by it. And another one was an attack. And I'm not going to go into de- the details of the attack in the movie. Um, but to research that was, um, yeah, it was... I had to delete my my search history because I was like, God, if anybody actually saw that on my computer, they would think there's something wrong with me. But there isn't anything wrong with me because I'm a filmmaker. So we do have to sometimes travel down the path path less traveled to get the information that we need or get an idea or something to help push your idea along, that kind of thing. Because I had no idea about these two triggers i i mean i knew about them in real life but i had no idea how it was filmed or whatever the case may be and i was i wanted to be a little bit i wanted to throw a little more realistic aspect into it even though it's a horror film 
even though you say even though it's a horror film it it it's it doesn't matter i and i and like you said before there's got to be an element of truth in anything mm-hmm. um yeah. even bugs bunny has an element of truth there has to be That's or true. there's no story mm-hmm. you yeah. know um and i think i and i and i do think horror movies are interesting when you when you watch them and you you'll, you like to think that whatever's in there is never going to happen in the real world. Yeah. But generally speaking, it probably has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's, this, there's a psychological element that goes into any of these, in the, any of these movies. And um, I remember watching a movie when I was a kid and it, I stayed through the end. It made me sick to my stomach. It was called Mark <laughs> of the devil. Ooh. And it was, it was, a, it was, Basically, it was done during the Spanish Inquisition, so mm-hmm. it was all these things happening. It had a little basis in reality that you know there really was this time that people were doing these things, and mm-hmm. they they capitalized on it or sensationalized it, whatever you wanted to know. But it made you stop and think about what people will do to each other, um, yeah. and it, it's kind of interesting. Psychological movies, I think, do that even worse because <laughs> the mind is. We haven't even unlocked what we can do. No. And, you know, to, to, to get involved with something that's a psychological thriller as opposed to a slasher movie, more or less, is, yeah. is a whole different is a whole different ball game. I mean, how how long did it take you to write it? And I'm going to say, when write it. That includes the research because there is research that goes mm-hmm. into a movie into yes, any script. Yes, there is. Yes, there absolutely is research that goes into any script writing or anything like that. I started writing this script as a short film with only six actors in 2017. That's when I started all the research and that sort of thing. And I was like thinking to myself, well, what am I going to title this? And I'm like, you know what? I'll worry about that later. I'm just going to write it and have the title organically come to me once once I'm done writing it and rereading it and going through edits on it and everything like that. And that's how the movie, that's how the title came to be, Evil Lurks. And I think there's um, there's like a, another part of the title on there, too. I, for, I honestly forget what it says. I think it says, you think you're safe or something like that. Um, but needless to say, that's how the title was born. And then I started working at a company that I still work at today that produces public service announcements for radio and TV. And I met a gentleman named Chris Cern, and he saw me printing out the original Evil Lurks posters. I had three versions of it, and he saw me printing them out. He started asking questions about it, and I said, and the other. And I'm like, and one thing led to another. Yes, that's that's actually an advertisement that we did last year, November. Um, we're going to do that at Liberty Theater in um, Gales, not Galesburg, but down south in southern Illinois. And that that never came to be on, unfortunately, because we just couldn't get the advertising to work properly. But um, <clears throat> so I was talking to Chris about it and I'm like, hey, you want to read the script? And he read it and I'm like, he goes, okay, it's kind of cool. It's cool. And then I was like, hey, do you want to be in it? Okay. I'm like, let's rewrite it into a feature film. <laughs> and I, I don't know how he took it, but I, I think I recall him obviously agreeing to rewriting it. But then my mentor out in California was telling me, he goes, why are you starting with a feature film? I'm like, why not? I'm like, I don't, I don't like 
short films. I mean, they serve a purpose, I guess, but I just don't like them because I'm left wanting more. I'm left wanting more with features too, but at least it feels a little more satisfying to me to watch a feature film. And then we started filming it after all the rewrites and stuff like that and casting and all that good stuff. We started filming in May of 2019, filming on weekends, uh, sometimes weeknights, depending on the availability. Um, I tried to work as best as I could with all the cast members. And we wrapped principal filming in December of 2019. I think that's great for filming just on weekends here and there and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And when availability could dictate because Chris, Chris, like I said earlier, Chris is also a lead singer in a band. So I had to work around that schedule because he was on a, oh gosh, I think they had like 40 or 50 uh, concerts they did just that year alone. And I had to work around that. So I was always asking him, hey, <laughs> when can we film that <laughs> kind of thing? So then I would reach out and reach out to the actors that we would need for the scenes that we're filming and go from there. I was always reaching out way ahead of time because that's just how I am. I don't want someone to do that to me like last minute. Like, well, we need you on set tomorrow. Well, sorry, I'm not going to be in town tomorrow or whatever. So it, that's it, how it went. In, shooting independent is is a whole different ball game than shooting with a studio. Mm -hmm. Just because of that, you you are you are juggling all kinds of schedules, or or you you cramming. We did. I worked on one indie indie feature, and we shot it over four days. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and no feature film <laughs> the studio is going to do it in four days. But God, you no. and you you do it. You I think with an independent film, there's a passion to getting it done. Mm -hmm. um, and people who who agree to to be a part of it want to be a part of it yes. for whatever reason. There's, I think there's a different. Uh, I think there's different. I hate the word vibe, but there's a different vibe with mm -hmm. a cast in an indie fl film um, mm -hmm. as opposed to something more big budget. Um, yeah, there's more of a camaraderie. I always found. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. That's it. it I mean, because like I said, with. When we when I had the short film, it was only six six uh, actors, no background. Um, I still don't have I still don't have background in the movie. The background you see in like the the bar scene and stuff of thing were actual patrons of the bar. Um, but I went from six to I think twenty five to thirty cast members for this feature alone. Um, one thing I can say is, as an independent filmmaker, I think personally you have. A lot more creative freedom than that of the bigger budget like warner brothers or whatever case may be uh films because you're tied to them and it almost feels like you have to go to them for approval kind of thing um perfect example i actually saw the teaser type trailer for terrifier 3 when terrifier 2 was re-released on november 1st i loved it i loved the terrifier franchise and mm -hmm. the trailer is awesome. It's brutal, but I love it. But that sequel lost Hollywood funding because of the brutality in it. And the director, Damien, Le Damien Leon, is basically saying, forget it. I'm going to still film it no matter what. And I love that about him. I love that passion with him. 
he is basically giving the middle finger to Hollywood and saying, I'm still going to do it with or without you. And I love I that. that. I saw that on your Facebook page, um, you know, following that, it was just like, we don't like what you did, but I'm going 